0: In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born, and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, And if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World.
1: And if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be for me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being listening, friends. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Kenyatta Jack Save the World. And you already know that we are Gen Xers. So if you are in that age range or that special, special season generation, you know what I was quoting at the beginning. So join us as we take this magic carpet ride. Hi, Jack. Hey,
0: how are you? <laughs> I mean, I know the answer to that because we've discussed it pre-recording, but,
1: you know. That's good. That's on. good. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good.
0: Not yep. too yep. bad.
1: So today we decided pre-show that we were going to double-dutch our WTFs.
0: We are. Week. We are.
1: Because there's so many things
0: happening. Just the past week has been kind to us in terms of WTFs.
1: hmm It's right for the pickings.
0: Yeah. It was just... So many things that we could have gone with. So many things. So many.
1: But we managed to narrow down to two a piece instead of just one. So without further delay, Jack, do you want to trot out your first?
0: Sure. Uh, My first one requires a smidge of audio. Uh, So I'm going to have to do this whole share screen thingy here.
2: It's very crucial. Someone has a physical infirmity and you cast that demon out, you might have to pray for some things to be fixed. Let's talk about one. Let's talk about autism. Rick, did you just go there? Yeah. Like I know a minister who has seen lots of kids that are autistic, that he cast that demon out and they were healed, and then he had to pray and their brain was rewired and they were fixed. Yeah, I just went there. I mean, you can get online and see lots of examples of it. If it's not demonic, then we have to say God made them that way. Like, that's the only other explanation. Why is my kid have autism? Well, either the devil's attacked them, he's brought this infirmity upon them, he's got them where he wants them, and or God just doesn't like them very much and he made them that way. Well, my God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mess-ups. God doesn't make people that way. So let's quit being nice and putting a band-aid on stuff and giving it medicine and this this goes so much bigger than autism, people. I I just gave you that as, as an example. That is more than enough.
1: Yeah. Lee, are you kidding me?
0: That's, first of all, he has not seen any pastor pray over someone with autism, and then they suddenly didn't have it. That is a lie. Absolutely. And I would like for him to name each and every pastor he was with that that occurred. But he's not going to do it because he's making that up
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and that's a lie number two that is dangerous for the person with autism because now the person with, you know because there's all sorts of levels on the autistic spectrum but now if parents are believing this and they hear this kids are not going to get the help or the assistance they need you know, who knows if it leads to some sort of strange, you know, abuse because they're convinced that it's a demon and not just the way their brain is wired.
2: And,
1: and he also implies that there's something inherently wrong with people with autism.
0: Yeah, they're broken and God wouldn't yeah. make them that way.
1: I would I would love he to literally hear... said junk. Yeah.
0: I wonder what his opinion is of people with Down syndrome.
1: Or cerebral palsy or any anything like that.
0: Right. God doesn't make things that are broken. Then why do people have to have, you know, in utero surgery because of heart defects? And if they don't go in and do the surgery while they're still in the womb, the kid's going to not make it an hour
1: after it's born. That is gross and disgusting. And I am beyond disturbed that he is the God to call himself a pastor. Yeah. It. <laughs> okay okay yeah
0: that I I heard that the other day and I was just like that is nuts on so many different levels and then I had to go back because I'm like I gotta write this guy's name down because I just found my WTF
2: mm. that's
1: that's gross that's just <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah
1: it, I, I, I I don't I don't have too much more for him he's just. Yeah, it, the whole thing is disgusting,
0: all of it. And if that's just his viewpoints on autism, my gosh, I would hate to see him on some other things. I
1: would hate to see him on anything. I, well, I wouldn't true. even want to hear. I wouldn't want. Him, I wouldn't even want to hear him actually discuss his viewpoints on the actual Bible.
0: I'm going to say they're probably warped.
1: <sighs> like you're literally saying, people. They're afflicted with something that is beyond their control or quote junk. Yeah. Junk. Okay. That's a hell of a pastor. Yeah. Such a such a righteous man. Yes. Yes. Yuck.
0: Yeah. I've been pissed off about that all week.
1: (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) Well, the week's almost over. So yuck. Oh, by the way, speaking of stuff with religious uh, references. Did you hear the rapture supposed to be at midnight?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it was supposed to be on the 19th and that didn't happen. And now it's supposed to be at midnight. Uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. One of the comments on the social media post I wrote on was like, I need to lay out my outfit for the rapture.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw uh, a guy that was going to, uh, that said that he was going to go to uh go to the thrift store and buy a bunch of clothes and then like just randomly throughout town, put them in piles.
1: <laughs> you know, what since we're talking about this, I guess I can spend two seconds on a pop culture moment. Uh, There's a wonderful HBO series from some years back called the leftovers. You ever heard of yes, it?
0: Yes. Yes. Yep.
1: You, you seen it? Yes. <laughs> that is one of the best depictions of what might happen if something like the rapture would occur. Yeah. Because like the biggest theme in that was there's no rhyme or reason about the people that were quote unquote taken or what was the term they used? Departed. Right. Um, there was like no rhyme or reason for those people. and And people got themselves in a twist trying to figure it out. Because some people were trying to re- re- they were trying to equate it to the rapture and couldn't understand why certain people disappeared because they were not good people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> World like gets better it improves. It's like, wow, holy crap <laughs> that's the, that's the take someone needs to make on a on a on a rapture mu- movie is that all the Christians leave and things all of a sudden start getting better.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know. Yeah, I I had thought about posting before the nineteenth that the rapture was supposed to come and for the sum of five hundred dollars and a and a key to your house. When you're raptured, I will make sure to go and take care of your pets for you. But then I didn't want to deal with the after effects of people going, Well, why don't you think you're gonna? And I just didn't I want mean, to deal with that headache. No, but if yeah. they
1: were thinking if they were thinking that through, they would understand why you were saying that. <laughs> right. But- and then of course they would just feel that. That much more sanctimonious and we just don't need that okay right right <laughs> i do
0: want to throw out real quick we talked about the pastor but didn't give his name this is pastor rick morrow m-o-r-r-o-w mm-hmm. and apparently his church is called beulah it's an odd name for a church but who am i to judge
1: i, guess it, I mean it's the name of somebody in the bible but yeah. i don't remember that story so
0: i I'm judging him on his viewpoints of autism. I'm not judging him on what he decided to name his church.
1: I mean, no, neither was I, but I can't, like I said, I can't, and I don't want to even try to wrap my mind around what other, whatever other sermons he, he yeah. does on a regular basis. Yeah, so. Yeah. But anyway,
0: let's move on to, uh to your first WTF.
1: Post- Pro-Trump attorney Lynn Wood, that's two words, L-I-N-W-O-O-D, to be prosecution witness in Georgia election case, district attorney says. Hmm. However, Wood has said he has not, quote, flipped on the former president despite being subpoenaed. Quote, I have no knowledge of truth, capital letters. They can be used in any way against President Trump. I support President Trump 117%. Mm. What an odd percentage.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But I don't know. And, and granted, not that I'm defending this man. Granted, just because someone is called as a witness doesn't mean they're going to start snitching. Right. It's just... The prosecution is thinking that this guy has information that they need to dig out of him. That's not that's not to say that he has flipped or is going to, but I see this the man the flaming dumpster fire has two pending two pending trials.
0: Yeah. No, it's yeah, I'm like 40 at this point.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about the charge, I'm just
2: having no. actual, you know.
0: Right. Okay. Trial, well, I'm saying trials are are gonna be about that. So
1: anyway, 40. Mm. Uh, yeah, this right. Um, and I think as the process goes along, even though both parties in Georgia and in New York State are trying to move this along as fast as possible, there's going to be more and more people that were extremely close to him that are going to get called. Yeah. and And I'm predicting it right now that Chick in the Georgia case that was smiling like a cheerleader... A drunk cheerleader in her mugshot, she's going to flip. Probably. I can't remember what her name is. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, she's yeah, I know who flip. you're talking about. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually, I was thinking about this and then listening to a, a podcast by some guys that are lawyers. And they were actually sort of saying that if the trial of Cheesebro and Powell is particularly damning, that the other indicted co conspirators will probably all start flipping relatively quickly Mm -hmm. or at least a decent amount of them will because they're going to see they're going to get a preview of what's going to happen to them if they don't flip Mm -hmm. so you know there's that exciting bit and plus honestly you almost don't even really need witnesses because all they got to do is play uh trump's interview for meet the press on sunday where he you know admitted that the whole thing was his idea
1: if it was really that cut and dry and i I don't disagree (laughs) but if it was really that cut and dry this would be with this would have been over a long fucking time ago
0: oh yeah i know he's admitted to every one of his damn crimes um so and people still love the dude
1: i'm just waiting for the day and I'm, this is and, and I'm gonna contradict myself as soon as I say this. I'm waiting for the day that that dude is no longer a focal point
0: Ugh, in, me too
1: in America's consciousness, but then again, he will always be now and forevermore a historical footnote in American politics forever.
0: oh, yeah, yeah, unless sure. somebody
1: does something worse,
0: yeah, which
1: oh. mm.
0: yeah. I was was listening to somebody that wished that he could go forward in time about 100 years because he was saying that in his mind, Trump will probably be put on house arrest (laughs) just because of (laughs) being an ex-president and all that stuff once he's convicted. And I was like, I'm not going to argue that point. And he's like, but I want to go in the future 100 years. He's like, because the comedy Broadway musicals about him on house arrest are going to be fucking hilarious.
1: They are. Because they're they're not gonna put him in Mar a Lago. No. They're just gonna put him in some little nondescript incognito suburb somewhere. Or hell, they might just build a house for him out somewhere in the middle of the boonies. And he'll yeah. have like four rooms and one bathroom. That is yeah. punishment.
0: And the toilet won't be gold either.
1: Correct. Actually, yeah. they should they should put the
0: house in Alaska where they put them on house arrest and it should have an outhouse.
1: Where they have to do monthly supply runs with husky dogs? Yes. That'll work. That'll work. That'll work. But see, there there's there's mine. There's my mind. I, I I wanted to mention that only because I think it's the beginning of the most awesome downhill slide ever seen. And I'm ready for it. So Yeah. That's why that beard mentioning. so what's your second?
0: <laughs> ah my second one is another lovely thing. Uh, this is I got this off of BuzzFeed. It's by Alexa Lida. Uh, I always have problem have to pick stuff with people with names I have a hard time pronouncing um anyway, a teacher assigned reading an illustrated adaptation of Anne Frank's diary, and then she was fired. And people are livid about it. If this was in Beaumont, Texas, she was fired after assigning their class to read Ari Fulman's and David Polineski's graphic novel adaptation. There were some parents that objected to the assignment because in uh, the the graphic novel is based on the original version of Anne Frank's diary because people forget that somewhere in the 50s they edited it in the US to take a few things out but it's based on the original version. And so there is a moment where Anne, obviously this is before, you know, they went into the went into hiding, walks by some nude statues in a park. Oh, And then um, the other, she was having a conversation with a female friend, and then she asked about showing each other their (laughs) breasteses. Gosh. And so she got fired for that. Uh, Apparently, there are a lot of parents that are actually um, pissed off about this. And they're roasting the school district on social medias. But you know this is what we were we've been talking about over the course of the last what year and a half or whatever with all of these book bannings and all of this censorship and all of this other stuff is that not to gloss over you know all of this that's going on, but this is the the end point of that
1: mm-hmm.
0: and at a time where teachers are already leaving the profession because of, um, well, bullshit like this, you're just making it harder to get, to re- replace those teachers. Mm-hmm. But when you hear stuff like Oklahoma state superintendent of schools, Ryan Walters, you realize destroying public education is the end
1: goal. It's not destroying it. It's being, it's, it's, it's putting, the selection of what kids are going to be taught in specific hands. Yes. In other words, we're going to pick what we want to indoctrinate these children with. Damn it.
0: Yeah. Well, they want to, they want to destroy it to rebuild it in their image.
1: Mm, sure.
0: So, yeah. And uh, I am so glad that my children are adults and I do not have to deal with public education.
1: I mean, I'm glad mine is too, but I, I promise you, it still pisses me off.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I. It's pissing me off too. I'm just glad I don't have to navigate through this, especially what's going on in Oklahoma right now. I'm just That's glad true. I don't have to navigate it as a parent. Hmm.
1: Boys, I remember navigating it, you know, all them years ago, and how much I was tearing out my hair then. I can't imagine now. Especially trying to teach him math. Math isn't a political thing, it either is or isn't. So that probably been the easiest out of everything, <laughs> but it wasn't.
0: Right? It, have you looking forward to math? But I'm sure there's yeah. a way that they're going to make math some liberal plot to destroy the world, too. So
1: sure. they're like, this new math <sighs> indoctrination. Okay. Yeah. Trying to force children to think in whole numbers.
0: <gasps> God damn it. They're teaching them fractions.
1: Damn the
0: decimals. Okay. But yeah, no, the whole, obviously is what, you know, sort of what we were saying last week is you have to go Mm -hmm. out and vote because we have to stop the small scale, not small scale, but stop it at the local level, you know, Mm -hmm. school boards and city councils. And this just ties in exactly with what we were talking about. And obviously we still need to be concerned enough to combat it that way, but I'm just so glad I don't have to, you know, being a parent with dealing with schools and all of that was difficult enough, making sure your kids were doing what they were supposed to when people weren't nuts.
1: Exactly. Sheesh. So yeah, oh there's that
0: bit of happiness.
1: Indeed. So
0: Indeed. yeah, what what's your well let's move on to your next one.
1: So we've mentioned this fella on our our special cast a time or two in the past. Senator Tommy Tuberville, whose name, I promise you, sounds like he should be in the circuit.
2: Yeah.
1: Is holding up nominations of high ranking military officials by himself because he objects to the Pentagon, giving allowances to service members who need to travel out of state to obtain abortion. Yep. That's it.
0: That's yep. all. He is messing with our nation's national security, which is, you know, I thought one of the Republicans, in MAGA's big thing, our nation's national security. This man is a senator, and he did not know that once uh, General Milley had his retirement date announced that it was going to be this day, that he couldn't just stick around until they got a replacement.
1: No, he has to be out by law.
2: Fortunately,
1: yeah. Fortunately, his replacement is one of those nominations they managed to get voted on earlier today. Yeah. Force General CQ Brown is stepping yep. in as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the end of the month. He was one of three nominations that were voted on today. Yeah. Normally, when there are appointments or nominations. Of high-ranking military officials they incur in big batches they approve these nominations a chunk of people at a time because there's yep. so many of them at a given point right and, and estimates right now are saying somewhere uh, just over 600 uh, uh appointments that need to be done by the end of the year that are getting held up by tuberville right screaming about how he and others of his ilk still want to continue to have control over uteruses. Yep. The right to have an abortion is a reproductive right. That doesn't mean everyone has to take it. No one gets forced to do that. Yeah. It's a reproductive right in the same way that men being able to get Cialis is a reproductive right. Yeah. So why this jackass thinks that covering expenses for active duty service members who are protecting our our country against threats foreign and domestic should not be allowed to access their full range of reproductive rights is beyond me. And he's being a pouty, petulant son of a bitch by holding up the Senate's ability to push these nominations through. He can do it. He's one person and he can do it and he's doing it.
0: Yeah. And he is, he is, yeah, he's screwing with our with the national security. I saw some retired general that said that just his doing this could actually have years long impact mm-hmm. on the military, even if they approved everyone next week that mm-hmm. just these number of months that it's gone through has affected the military that much
1: because all the high ranking officials that are waiting for promotions and these appointments are not getting put through. That means those active duty members beneath him that are also looking to be promoted can't be
0: promoted. Because right. They
1: don't have they don't have positions to move into. They have no vacancies to move into. Yep. Because his jackass is being a spoiled, entitled son of a bitch.
0: Yep. Yep. And um, just. The reason they they do them, like you were saying, they do them in batches is because, yes, there are so many of them, but if you do them individually, that opens up every single one can be debated. Mm -hmm. And so instead of just having the one thing, we're doing this, they do it. It takes like, you know, 10 minutes for, say, four batches. Well, now it can expand and it can literally take months because every single senator on every single one could go up and have their two minutes of talk time against it. Mm hmm. And it's just like, dude, you're, you're already a piece of crap. And you were far too unknowledgeable of how our government works to even have been elected to that job. But in my opinion, now, when the that whole foreign and domestic part, to me, he's become the domestic part.
1: He is. And this is one more. And we'll file this under weaponizing the government. It's another fine example of someone doing it.
0: Right. Actually I mean, and- doing it
1: actually doing it like they're literally saying can you stop doing this he's like "Can you? are you going to overturn the policy no well I'm not going to stop but never mind that neither he or anybody else that might agree with him because really there aren't a whole lot of there are some Republicans that are pushing back on him I'm not going to give them any credit but people that are asking him to do this he says no but you haven't heard him come up with a policy to replace that he just wants it gone
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Mr. Extremist. Yeah, in my opinion, he's become the and domestic part of that. Um Mm -hmm. so I don't know. Maybe maybe Biden really could weaponize the federal government and go and have him arrested for being a domestic terrorist. (laughs) I mean, we know that's not gonna happen, but
1: if folks won't if 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 the people that mattered, and I'm not saying our opinions don't matter, but the people that mattered won't label the dumpster fire as a seditionist, then they won't label this asshole.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then what was it today related to that? The defense bill didn't pass the Senate or whatever it was. No, mm-hmm. the Congress, uh, the House, not the Senate. So I was looking at uh, some of the people that voted no that stopped it, and my my representative was one of those no voters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure he's getting tired of me writing him letters. Well, he's not, because he doesn't know I'm writing him complaint letters. His Whoever works in his office is probably getting tired of getting them from me. So I know that when I go to write about this one, I'm not going to get any response. But it's like, dude, I am tired of sending these to you. Quit being a butthole.
1: It's all it's not. and, And for those handful of people, it's not about serving the people anymore it's nope. about grasping and wielding and holding on the power that's it that's it yep it's gross and we could incredibly. all just drop kick them drop, yeah kick them.
0: and obviously if you've listened to this pod for any length of time you know that uh for kenyatta and i to say if the founding fathers would have been upset by something we are in no way shape or form saying that they are you know Tier level slightly below Jesus, like a lot of people do. (laughs) Um, We are not, we are not, I'm not saying that or putting them up on that high pedestal. But I would have to imagine that the people that wrote the Constitution and were the founding fathers would probably be pretty freaking pissed off and ticked off with a certain number of people that are in both the House and the Senate and probably would have already done stuff too have them removed from office, and probably put under some sort of charge.
1: Something. Because this is it's outrageous. It's outrageous. So as we mentioned a moment ago, voting is essential, especially at your state level. And we have elections going on this November in several states. We've got Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi voting for governors. Hmm. Two of those are deep south states. Go figure. Yeah. And then we have other states handfuls of states mine included that are voting on various measures and replacement seats for uh some that have been vacated. Right. So they're not they're not huge huge but they're important. Cuz these are the people that you can actually go up to and look at at city council meetings or at your state capitol building or wherever. Yeah. So these are the people that matter, the ground level people. It's imperative yeah yeah it's imperative to get involved so there
0: i am yeah because while the the national level they have these plans but a lot of times it's more difficult for them to push them through but at the state level you know on a city council if you have 10 councilmen and all you need are six of them Hmm? yeah
1: that that's
0: that's a slightly easier hurdle to jump over as opposed to we need you know 215 or whatever the number is
1: and I guarantee you it's far easier to walk up in a city council meeting that's open to the public than it would be to roll up into the, uh, the West wing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're they're not going to give you your three minutes of talk time. Like they have to at a city council meeting.
1: Yeah. They're going to, they're going to give you a boot to the face. And probably and tase you, you. And hold you without bail. Okay. So there it is. We've got our double doses of, WTFs out of the way, and no doubt we'll we'll still have enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. Something forever. tells me we're gonna have an abundance of WTFs next week, too.
1: <laughs> mm. All righty then. <sighs> all
0: right, let's just refocus. Serenity now.
1: Wusa.
0: All right. Now piss us off all over again.
1: <laughs> no, not I'm at all. Funny, obviously. <laughs> not at all. But let me start out. By asking this. Okay. Do you know this fella by the name of Abraham Lincoln?
0: I I do. And as we mentioned a few weeks ago on our two lies, I'm strangely connected to him.
2: Yes. Does
0: that mean anything? No, it does not. But so, yes, I've, I've heard of that man.
1: So, you know, he had a wife.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that he did.
1: So what I'm going to talk about today, it's a person that was close to that wife, Mm -hmm. whose story I've come to find out is not told enough. Okay. That that person's name is Elizabeth Cleckley. Okay. She was born in February 1818 in Dinwiddie County, Virginia. Her mother was Agnes Hobbs, who also went by Aggie.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And they were both, or her mother was actually a- enslaved by a fella, the name of Armstead colonel Armstead Burwell
0: that is quite the name
1: mm. there is we do actually have an armstead uh boulevard here where I live, so hmm. um we have quite a few streets named after confederates anyway um. This comes at no great no great shock to anyone listening, or shouldn't, that Agnes was impregnated by Colonel Burwell and fathered Elizabeth. Here's the part where I'm injecting my own perspective, because I can't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I am quoting this from the source from which I lifted part of my research, which is a site called womenshistory.org. This is what they wrote okay. in reference to... Elizabeth's mother and the slave owner. Quote, and it is likely Colonel Burwell and Hobbes's relationship was non consensual.
0: I'm stunned.
1: No shit, Sherlock. You think? I, I don't care about people trying to romanticize any kind of relationship between an enslaver and an enslaved person. The power yeah. dynamic is unequal; it cannot be mutually consensual.
0: There, there, it never is ever. It can't no, be. It can't under no way, shape, or form. Is it? And yet. I
1: don't want to. I don't want to hear not one more story of a slave owner falling in love with one of his enslaved pieces of property. I don't give two shits about Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings, or about the fictional. The fiction that gets built around that yeah go ahead and kiss my entire butt and that's my personal perspective on that naturally elizabeth was never acknowledged as being his daughter but agnes's husband a fellow by the name of george pleasant hobbs who worked on a nearby plantation did consider elizabeth his daughter and they raised her as such As early as age four, Elizabeth assisted her mother with chores in the Burwell household, including cooking, cleaning, and sewing. At 14, Elizabeth was sent to North Carolina to work for Colonel Burwell's son, Robert. Robert and his wife's estate in Hillsborough, North Carolina, was not financially successful, and they hired out Elizabeth to work for a white neighbor. Here's the part that, again, should surprise no one, but you should be disgusted. Beaten and raped by this neighbor, Elizabeth gave birth to her only son, George. And there's conflicting dates on when he was born, either 1839 or 1842. Mm -hmm. Sometime later, they were sent back to Virginia to the Burwell Plantation. And Colonel Burwell then gave Elizabeth, her son, and her mother, Agnes, to his daughter, Anne- as a wedding gift. Oh, my. Pause. Okay. Around 1847, the Garlands, that's the the colonel's daughter, uh, her married, her family, the Garlands moved to St. Louis to make a new start, and Elizabeth, her son George, and her mother Aggie had to go with them. To make money, the Garlands decided to hire Agnes out to clean other white families' houses. However, Elizabeth asked to take the job on herself because her mother was getting up in years and she was afraid that the hard work would stress her. Uh, the daughter said, sure, go ahead, go make us some money. Right, And she did. And Elizabeth worked as a seamstress and she put to work those skills that she learned from her mother. I'm going to stop right here again. You remember that ha-ha garbage they were talking in Florida a while back about I- how-
0: Yes, I was actually about to say it sounds like the way they would teach that in Florida is had she not been a slave, she wouldn't have known how to sew. And so she was able to take care of people because of that skill. Which is
1: this next part should come as a surprise to nobody. As an enslaved woman, her earnings went to her owner, right? And she made enough money to support her enslaver's entire 18-member household. But fortunately, it was enough money to keep her mother from having to go work for anyone else. Now, all these years, Black folks have been getting stereotyped as being lazy, not wanting to work.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Who's the welfare queen there?
1: The, The irony is... These kinds of stories where the enslaved folks are sent out to make money for their enslavers. And the enslavers don't have to do jack, but kick back, sip mint juleps, and scream at them every once in a while. But somehow.
0: Somehow, Black people been... are lazy. Always have yeah, been.
1: Always have. Okay. In 1852, Elizabeth asked the Garlands for her freedom. They initially refused, but they later told her that they would emancipate her and her son for $1,200. The equivalent in today's money, 40000 She looked for some help here and there, but some of her wealthy clients that she did uh, sewing for raised the money for her. And her and her son bought out and freed on November 15th, 1855. For the next five years, she stayed in St. Louis and to continue to work and continue to work as a dressmaker and she was known for very doing very good custom work so in 1860 she and her son moved to Washington DC which at the time had very strict rules on what free black Americans could do for a living where they could live how they conducted their business not surprising. And naturally she put her dressmaking skills to use and mm-hmm. started making dresses for the wives of some of the most well-connected and powerful men in DC and her reputation for being a quality seamstress spread fast. One, the one of her clients convinced the city's mayor to waive the fee that Elizabeth would have had to pay to live there as a free black woman. Another introduced to introduced her to Verena Davis, wife of Senator Jefferson Davis. And Verena hired her as a personal stylist and dressmaker and agreed to let Elizabeth make dresses for other clients for half of the day. So she was making money on top of money on top of money. And she didn't have to give it to no damn body anymore.
0: Thank God for that little bit. Yeah, right.
1: In 1861, the new president, that fella. Abraham Lincoln moved to the White House with his son, Mary Todd, and with his wife, excuse me, Mary Todd and their sons. One of Elizabeth's current clients suggested to the first lady that she ask Elizabeth to make her inauguration gown. Mrs. Lincoln was so impressed, she asked Elizabeth to stay on as her personal dressmaker, which she did for the next four years. Elizabeth's son, George, joined the Union Army during the Civil War and unfortunately was killed in battle in Missouri in 1861. She was also deeply involved with war relief efforts. And in 1862, she joined 40 other members of the 15th Street Presbyterian Church to found the Ladies' Contraband Relief Association. And as president, Cleckley raised money and rallied support for the enslaved men and women who had self-emancipated. I do love that term, and come to Washington D.C. Elizabeth also continued to be a successful businesswoman in her um, seamstress, and she had actually opened a shop. So her name was on lips far and wide for being the right. one to go to. And by 1865, uh, her dress her dress shop was on 12th Street and employed 20 women.
2: And wow. unfortunately,
1: most of her dresses no longer exist. There are some um, them some pictures of some I found, which I will make sure that we include on our socials. Her, her work is outstanding; it's some beautiful stuff. So, when a Lincoln was unfortunately assassinated in eighteen sixty five, Elizabeth became even more of a confident and comfort to uh, Missus Lincoln, and tried mm-hmm. to help her with debts. I had to stop here when I read that. I was like, why would a widowed first lady? have debts. And then I have to remember it's
0: 1865.
1: Yeah. I mean, they did. They, they didn't have the kind of, I don't know if you want to call them protection, but there wasn't, I don't think there was any kind of protocol like that in place to address what happens to a widow, first lady. So right. she had debts to pay and Elizabeth wanted to help her with that. So she wrote her autobiography in 1868 called behind the scenes or 30 years a slave and four years in the white house. And she intended to contribute uh, the sales of that autobiography to Mrs. Lincoln. Um, Many people in high society D.C. decided that was very gauche and tasteless because for the first part of the book, Elizabeth talks about uh, her time being enslaved on the plantation. But for the better part of the last two-thirds of the book, she talks about all the time spent in the Lincoln household. And people were like, that's you're telling all their business. That's not cute. And as a matter of fact, the uh, oldest complete son, opposite
0: maybe? reaction to today. Everyone oh, no. would be like, I'm, spill that tea.
1: I'm telling you right now, they were saying it then, too. They just couldn't <laughs> say it in public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're right. <laughs> they would go in the privy and crack the book open and be in there for half an hour reading it and come out and be like, I heard that book is trash. It, it happened yeah. then, it happens now. Take my word for it.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> the oldest Lincoln son, Robert Todd, suppressed the book's publication. And unfortunately, Elizabeth's reputation suffered due to the fallout. And even though she still had her business for some time, her her sales suffered a bit for that. So. Right. Around 1890, Wilberforce University in Ohio the first private HBCU in the United States, and we talked about those a couple episodes ago, appointed Elizabeth as head of their department of sewing and domestic science arts. She had to resign the position in 1893 after suffering a stroke. She moved back to Washington DC and spent her final years living off of her son's civil war pension and the national home for destitute colored women and children, what a name. Yeah. That had that grew out of the Ladies Contraband Relief Association that she herself helped establish. And she died at the age of 89 in 1907. Wow. So I read about I, I learned about her from reading another book um that I just when you, have, when you have access to ebooks, you literally just try to read anything because it's all right there. Why not? Right, so it, yeah, was just yeah. a, a, it was just a book of short stories I picked up on a whim and it turned out to be a really good book that built ridiculous fictional stories around historical events and people. And one of those stories included her. And the author included at the back of the book notes about all the real life historical people. And he talked about who she was And how she was important. So I did some further research. And I'm like, I like this. Especially counteracting the notion that somehow slavery was good.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I did have one thought um, Mm -hmm. while you were uh, talking about that. And when you mentioned uh, Wilberforce University, which we have talked about which was named after someone else that we've talked about on the pod, Mm -hmm. William Wilberforce. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing how many things we find out months, months later of something that we talked about is now related to this other thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We don't plan this out. It just, these connections have just naturally happened and every time it does. I just feel like, yep, yep, there's one more bit of brick of knowledge that we're putting on that, <laughs> you know, this wall of knowledge that we didn't realize was connected.
1: And- it, it all relates. It all relates. It's all tied together. And I don't know, I guess it's, we, we've kind of been saying since the beginning, and it may sound like we talk about, you know, random things, but in the end, eventually a lot of it ties together. Yeah. You can't get away from the fact, no matter you know, no matter what kind of conflicts we as human beings may get into, either personally or on a larger scale, we have these things in common. And because there's so many more things in common we have in common than not, these are the kinds of stories that get intertwined and they, you know, flip back and relate to something else. And then that relates to something else. And it always does. It always will. Yeah. so while someone like Elizabeth Cleckley may not necessarily be a hugely well-known figure, she is significant in that the fact that she was a free black woman who literally came besties with Mary Todd Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You can't get better than that. You cannot.
0: Yeah. No. There's so much history and stuff in this country that just is left out. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No and question about it.
0: Yeah, well one thing's for sure, we know they're not going to be teaching about her in uh Florida.
1: No, oh, she had the nerve to put those skills to use for her own damn self. How dare she buy herself and her child out of slavery? I know. I've <laughs> always been good to you people.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure first. that when they gave that number, that it was a, oh, there's no way she's going to be able to raise that kind of yeah. money. <laughs> we got her. I, I guarantee you they thought they'd picked some ridiculous number.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they did. And then they didn't know what to do with themselves. And she was like,
0: hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, hold my beer, motherfuckers.
1: <laughs> she had her child's hand in one hand and all her bags in the other peace bitches. Yeah,
0: she was on one hip with the baby and the other on <laughs> the other one holding her holding her Samsonite suitcase. Yes, I know mm-hmm. they didn't have Samsonites back then.
1: We know what you <laughs> It was the, the what do they call them carpet bags, whatever you called them back in the day. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I like the idea of this story and I'm sure for every one story that we hear or maybe talk about like this, there's 20, 30, 100 40, of them 50, that we don't yeah. hear about. Yeah that we don't hear about, I, frankly.
0: I would have liked to have been in the room and she walked in and she's like, hey, today's dollars, here's your 40K. I don't remember what the initial sum was. Oh, 40,000. It was
1: 1,200 then. 1,200 then,
0: right. Hey, here's your 1,200. I would have loved to have seen the look on their faces.
1: they look at it like, what's this?
0: What? <laughs> it's like you said, you wanted 1,200. You know what? I'm going to give you a tip. Here's
1: 1,250. <laughs> Like Eddie Murphy, put that with the rest. (laughs) Oh man. Like the it's just and what I've come to notice, and I don't know if you notice this as well when researching certain things, but depending on the source you get information from, you can tell what tone an author is going for. They can be talking about the exact same thing and the way they phrase things. They're like yeah, we don't want to be controversial, so we'll say it was probably non-consensual. Yeah. Right. You would be safe in saying damn near all of those were non-consensual.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with 99.95% of them were non-consensual. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So... I would never be convinced that there was some slave owner that was lovesick over his, his property. He would never convince me that. Oh
0: yeah. No, that, that was,
1: uh,
0: you know, just the level of awfulness that people can have not ever cease to amaze me. And yet there are times where it's just like, I can't believe that someone did a certain thing in this case. Obviously I'm not, I'm talking about the way that was worded, not mm-hmm, mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. non-consensual. You think I'm, I'm going to go with non-consensual. You don't, you know, don't try to be all wishy-washy with that. That's what happened. So say it.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like why were you why were the authors of this particular piece on that that site feeling felt like they had to walk on eggshells when talking about it? Yeah. You didn't even have to necessarily mention that part. And anyone reading it could make the probably correct inference about what that was. But you have yeah. to go out of the way to say that. Come on. Don't don't be silly. Don't be silly.
0: Yeah, first of all, Quit sugarcoating the bad parts of history so that us Caucasian folks don't get offended by hearing it. <laughs> uh, your kids are a little tougher than you think. And they're probably not going to be offended that they're it. They're probably going to be pissed off, not surprised. Here it is again. Jesus Christ. Why does this always keep happening?
1: (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Now that we're, this thought just occurred to me. Not only will the kids come back and start questioning things in that manner, they just might start questioning their parents and their parents don't have good answers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. They don't.
1: That's I'm beginning to believe that's a big part of the reason why Certain parents don't want their kids to learn about the fullness of history because them kids might have some questions. Like, did you know this fucking happened? What do you think about it? Yeah. Why didn't
0: didn't you tell us about this?
1: What are your thoughts? And they'll have to sit up there and actually talk sense to their child and treat them like the little human beings that they are. (laughs) Imagine that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're right on that. And it's sort of, uh, we've we've discussed this before, too, about, uh, like, uh, uh, Martin Luther King, about, and how many people quote him today who would have been the very people holding the fire hoses on him. Mm-hmm. But they talk about, oh, he was such a great man. Martin Luther King. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you were not saying that in the 1960s when he was out fighting for equality. You weren't walking on those bridges with them.
1: No. Not at all. You were probably you or someone look just like you was probably at home laughing at all the TV coverage.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And and here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The actual correct response is if your kid comes and says, Did you know this? Yada yada yada. If you really want to Do something that would have significant meaning on your kids, because you can be a person and have shitty attitudes, viewpoints, thoughts, and then something changes you to where you become the complete opposite of that and you realize you were wrong. Mm -hmm. So if your kids come to you and you say, you know what, at the time, I wasn't a good person. I wasn't a supporter of his, or Mm -hmm. I didn't believe these certain things. But you know what? I was wrong. Yeah. And once I realized that I was wrong, I changed. And you know what? I'm ashamed that that was the viewpoint that I had then. Mm-hmm. But I've changed and I'm a better person now. Your kids will respect you hella more than trying to hide that shit. And that's the difference that's transformational on the other generations behind you.
1: Yeah. But a lot of a lot of people who just happen to have birth other human beings don't think like that. They just think they, they were their pride. Won't let them admit that at some particular point in various instances, they very well may have been assholes.
0: And been contributors to the problem. That part. As well. I mean, indifference contributes to the problem, mm-hmm. but I mean, there are probably people that, actively were doing things and to admit i was so wrong it's not even funny and i am so ashamed of the way i acted and behaved and the things i did them then and that's why i've never said anything but i was wrong and you have to be a better person than i am and in fact you are a better person than i was then at the same age yeah that's that's transformational generational wise for the country to hear that's stuff a- like that
1: there's a, that's a dose of humility a shitload of people could benefit from right now.
0: Uh, yes.
1: <laughs> that's
0: a yes. different podcast.
1: <laughs> All together. But as far as this one is concerned, our time is drawn nigh.
0: <laughs> that is true. That is true. But, yeah, that was very interesting uh, to hear. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't necessarily care who you are, but if you're a dressmaker and the First Lady wants you to start being her exclusive maker of dresses, you probably say yes to that.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. But in her
0: case, it's just extra special, meaningful Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of the history. So,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: this this falls into our important people in
1: history you've never heard of. Correct. Absolutely. 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 You want to go ahead and, and take us out?
0: I certainly shall. Once again, thanks for g- a great bit of learning for us today. I, I really appreciate that. Um, And listening friends, if you appreciate what we're doing, you can help support us by going to buymeacoffee.com backslash pods, And we would be super tickled if you were to uh, help us out in any way you could. And with that, I am going to say bye.
1: And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment.
2: Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.